0: Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm Peter Steinfeld. Today, I'm speaking with Julie K. Roberts, founder and executive director of the Private Sector Emergency Management Association. Julie is a strategic communications and emergency management veteran with two decades of experience from serving past U.S. presidents in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association to consulting with major grocers and non-governmental agencies. In this episode, Julie breaks down how organizations can combine both strategic and crisis communications to ensure smooth sailing through any emergency. Let's listen in. Hey, Julie, thanks so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Peter. I'm really excited to be here today, spending some time with you and the Alert Media team.
0: Well, we really appreciate your time. So, you've got a ton of experience in public sector emergency management and crisis communication. So, what led you to launch the Private Sector Emergency Management Association or PASIMA?
1: So, my background goes back to over 20 years ago. My first job was at FEMA under the George W. Bush administration. I spent just a couple months there, left right before 9 11. Then I moved to Florida in 2005 and found myself back in emergency management. When I was in Florida at the Division of Emergency Management, One of my jobs was private sector coordinator. And so we built out a really robust program while I was there. And I left in 2016. So spent four years on the federal side, again, working in emergency management from the NOAA perspective and moved back to Texas in 21 and observing Hurricane Ida's response that was impacting Louisiana almost two years ago, actually, in September of 21. And I kept hearing businesses ask questions on the National Business EOC call like, hey, do they have reciprocation for XYZ kind of company or where can I get this information? And the standard response was call the state of Louisiana. And having been in a state job, I said, that's not the answer. They're already overwhelmed with the amount of information they're looking for. And so we really need something that can actually be focused on the private sector, the business and industry that's run by and managed by and founded by private sector. And so it was literally on that call that I said, my gosh, we need something that is outside of government, not government funded. And I hear repeatedly from different business industry partners, this is what we need, it really is meeting a need and it's filling a void that's there. And so I think going forward, we're looking forward to expanding it and growing our membership and understanding more of how we can support all types of passwords.
0: Well, let's talk about that void that you're filling a little bit. What you guys do is different. So how does the approach that Pasima takes in preparing businesses differ from other state and federal programs?
1: So the biggest thing is that when you have a program that sits inside of a government agency, whether it is inside of a state or a federal agency, two things happen. It's reliant upon the funding. So especially for states, right? So they're reliant on grant funding or disaster funding. Sometimes it's in emergency management. Sometimes it's in economic affairs. And the other problem is that when it's built, these programs are inside government, people change things, priorities change. And so therefore what you see today may not be there tomorrow. And I've figured out really quickly, our business and industry partners do not have the time nor the bandwidth to have to go figure out who is in that role right now in XYZ state or XYZ federal agency. Right. And so. PASIMA actually takes an approach where we will be the ones that are maintaining those contacts. I have good working relationships with FEMA headquarters and their private sector office. I've been in discussions with CISA, which is the Cyber Infrastructure Security Agency. And so those are partners that we as an association are really building so that if you at Alert Media is looking for some information, you can call PASIMA and we know who to contact or we know who is in the Texas Emergency Management Agency, or Florida, or Missouri, or Hawaii. And so it's really focused on us establishing those contacts and building out our private sector network. And so that when something's happening, you're not looking for who the contact is at that moment. One of the big things is we bring together coordination, collaboration calls when an event's happening. So Hurricane N happens, we started doing daily calls, we had 35 people on And we were solving problems without government involved. The biggest thing that I would like to see is how do we as an association support our communities, help our businesses get back, return that economic base? And government doesn't have to do all of that. Let government focus on reopening the roads, getting the power back, making sure there's water for communities. Then let your retailers and your private companies get back. It helps the community come back. It helps the schools reopen. And so, The difference is that because we are a trade association and we are managed by a group of private sector advisory board, we have that ability to go out and make those changes and to figure out those solutions that don't always require a government solution.
0: No, I think that's a fantastic service. We often talk about on this show how you really shouldn't wait until the emergency happens to start trading business cards with uh, people in government or public safety. You should know those folks ahead of time. But that's way easier said than done. So having an organization like yours to be able to reach out to to bridge uh, and make those connections is super valuable. Well, speaking of government, what's one thing you've learned in your public sector experience that you think private sector companies often overlook in their emergency management plans?
1: I think it's that understanding the broader picture and it's also thinking through what happens from a crisis communication. So I have an emergency management background, but my training is actually crisis comms. And so when I look at something and I look at a situation, you know, working right now with a, a large grocery retail on active shooter planning, I think about it not just from what does this plan, these three plans look like, but if I had to defend it as a communications person, how could I do that? And so I think that's where businesses have to think about when everything goes south, whether it's weather or a fire or an active threat, and it's significant enough, you're going to have the national media standing there saying, what was your plan? Why didn't you have a plan? What do you mean this wasn't how it was supposed to go? And so I think businesses in particular really have to think about it from that perspective of like. I always would say I feel really bad when a disaster is happening and you see that public information officer for the sheriff or the sheriff standing all of a sudden in front of a national bank of national media. And they're saying they're trying to convey information. One, they've had no sleep. They're shell-shocked. And they probably don't have the crisis comms training. So now they've got to figure out how to tell this. And how many times do we watch them stumble? You know, And so it's really you've got to kind of think through now before you need it. The comms piece of it, how you would respond, who would speak. You can't always throw the CEO of the company out if they have no background in dealing with the media, right? Like that could come back and just bite the whole company. Like, so either really train up your senior staff or make sure you have that right spokesperson that can go out and speak with authority. When I was in Florida, I was public information comms and private sector for emergency management. And, you know, my boss trusted me. He knew I was going to say the right thing. I might get a phone call standing there. And it was Fox Radio wanting to put me on the air right away about this hurricane making landfall. Well, I had to be confident in the information. And so you can't put a junior person in your comms team and then not bless them to do your social media, right? I mean, that's the other thing is if you have a company and your social media has to be approved before every tweet can go out, you've got the wrong person doing your social media. I used to tell my staff put it out if something happens one quote a source that we know is reliable but if we mess up guess what we'll go back we'll fix it i'm not going to fire you we'll learn from it if you mo you know many times then we'll have a conversation but you've got to trust your team to be able to go out and convey the right information
0: yeah and planning is such a big part of that the more that you practice things and have a plan for it the less deer in the headlights you are when things occur so as you think about that, what are the types of disasters that you feel businesses should be planning for that may not currently be part of the plan?
1: So I think when you ask weather events, most companies know how to do. I don't know that companies are thinking about earthquakes. If you live on the, on the coast, you know, people think California earthquakes, but there's one here in the Midwest. I don't know that people think about it. And so outside of weather, I also tell companies, think about that active threat. We say active shooter will never happen. But unfortunately, it happens more and more and it's not always a shooter. It could. So that's why I try to refer to it as an active threat. And, you know, you can't wait until something happens and try to figure it out. I'm working with a large grocer and they've taken the initiative to build out a comprehensive active threat program. And it starts with how do you manage the threats on the front end? and identify them and stop them and and making your team and your employees comfortable and saying, oh, I've noticed that Peter's been getting really frustrated lately. Maybe something's going on. Maybe somebody should talk with him. Is there something that needs to happen? To being able to be comfortable with, they see somebody coming in a parking lot and recognize that it's a threat. Who do they report it to? The more you educate your team and your employees they're going, they're not going to have that deer in headlights look. They're going to know what to do. They're going to know who to talk to. So you've got that, that prevention plan that we keep talking about on the front end. Cause if you can prevent it, then you don't need the other two plans. That middle plan is, okay. So now we have a threat. This is happening. How are we responding? Who's in charge? How do we notify employees? Don't come into the store. How do you make sure that leadership knows who to contact? Who's going to show up in that store? Who's going to speak to the national media? Because if you have an active shooter inside of a large retailer, you're going to have national media most likely show up. And so you've got to make sure you have plan, trained, participate in exercises, understand who your local law enforcement is. I went to an active shooter training in Houston in November, and they said, you need to tell your employees it could be 45 minutes to an hour before SWAT team can get to somebody that is hiding. Mm-hmm. Which Remember, SWAT team isn't just sitting there waiting for the next active shooter. And so educating your employees of what to expect, who's going to open that door. In my previous life, done political advance, and I've opened a door with a counter team behind it, and it scared the mess out of me, and I knew they were there, right? Mm. And so helping your employees understand that the person opening your door is going to be in full tactical gear too, and that doesn't mean they're the shooter. And so then once that's happened, you get through that response. And I think probably one of the, the most important pieces is that third plan, which is that reunification and understanding. You've got to provide resources to these employees. They've been traumatized. What does that look like? Will the FBI be coming in with their assistance team and the state and the local? And what does that look like? And understanding how to support your team for many weeks ahead. And so understanding that when an incident happens, a, an active shooter or an active threat, it could be hours before they can get in and tell families what's going on. And so I think companies need to think about the... Unknowns, the black swan. And I think those active shooter, active threats are that black swan that's out there that may never happen. As I told the company I'm working with now for a year, this is one plan I really hope we build that sits on a shelf and never gets used. Yeah. Because that means we've done something right on the front end to prevent something or they're just, or they're not having it happen. I encourage companies really think through your active shooter and active threats in general and Empower your employees to to really take action and, and be comfortable in coming to management and telling them what's going on.
0: And I think you just touched on something that's really important and often overlooked when it comes to emergency response, and that's during an emergency or a disaster, emotions are all over the board. And it really leads to the question of how important is empathy in crisis communications and emergency management and planning?
1: Empathy is such an important thing because when you're an emergency manager, you you compartmentalize your life. Like you have to be able to to know that even if that storm or something is happening right there, you can't get emotionally wrapped up. You've got a job to do. I had a situation. It was 2012 when I was in Florida, and my stepmother had a medical situation, and was in the hospital, and I I had been dealing with that. And we had a hurricane. And I came in, and the governor Scott knew my family, and he says to me, "How's your mom?" and my life was compartmentalized, right? I was in that EOC at that moment to do a job and I said, oh, she's going to be okay. Right. And so, but it took me a moment to figure out like, what are we talking about here? And so you have to compartmentalize, but by doing that, you still have to have that empathy. You have to understand that these lives have been turned upside down and understand somebody may yell at you or, or you're seeing that on television right now, everything's going wrong. There's a lot of, People that want answers, and and it's not a fast answer to be given. And so, as leaders, we have to be able to have empathy. We've got to be able to comprehend what's going on and convey it in the right way. Too, those leaders have got to be able to speak to fact and really guide. Because having guessing games in the middle of a big event is not beneficial to anyone.
0: And I think successfully navigating and carrying yourself through a crisis requires tremendous leadership and planning ahead of time. So in your opinion what role does leadership play in emergency management planning?
1: In a crisis anybody can step up and be a leader and many times i think a good leader will allow those under them the opportunity to step up and lead when it's needed. I always empowered anybody that worked for me both when i was at Florida Emergency Management and at NOAA like step up tell me the honest truth if you need something I trust people to do their jobs, right? Like I'm not going to do everyone's job for them. I have been very fortunate to have worked for some very amazing leaders throughout both my time in the Bush administration and then Florida and then at NOAA for four years. And it was about giving me that voice and allowing me to be a leader, telling your boss they're doing something that could either put themselves on the front page of a newspaper or take your agency or your company in the wrong direction. It's not an easy conversation. To always have. I had some situations at NOAA that I had to manage up. I mean, I had a boss that was a very challenging boss and found himself on the front page of a few newspapers because he <laughs> didn't listen to advice. And, you know, it's understanding how to lead up and, and really kind of express what that is and making sure people will listen, speak with authority. And that's always hard. And I'm going to say it's really hard as a female leader. I've worked for a lot of male bosses, right? And so being able to have that voice and understanding that I can speak up and it's you're not gonna say that I shouldn't be allowed because I'm a woman or you're gonna discard my advice and that's that's always a challenge.
0: So managing down is obvious. I'm a manager, I lead these people. But managing up, leading up, a lot of people don't realize how important that is and you just nailed it. How do you learn to do that, in your opinion?
1: It's not easy, I didn't say that. I encourage everybody, look for leadership programs apply, go do, do it online, look at concepts. It's about educating yourself, finding the techniques you're comfortable with, but it's also about having conversations with your bosses you lead up to when there's not a crisis, when it's not something going on and saying, look, I'm here, I will protect you. I will give my honest advice to you. I expect the same in return. If I'm coming to you saying, I think this could be a problem, Don't shoot me down or discard my words just because I am not at the same level. I don't have a PhD. I have a college degree, but I've also served two presidents, owned a company, worked for a governor. And so I feel like my success in life has not been tied to the letters behind my name. Just because I don't have a PhD behind my name doesn't mean I don't have the knowledge and experience to help advise those senior leaders.
0: Yeah. Well, how should organizations think about communication when their business is in a crisis, but it's not really because of a safety issue? It seems like that goes on a lot these days.
1: Not a reputational crisis out there, right? Yeah, like you yeah. got to figure out everything from somebody posting a tweet. I had somebody who reached out to me because a friend decided to post an opinion uh, on something related to COVID and he was a doctor and they went after the hospital on him. And I mean, you're talking, he unleashed the Twitterverse on this poor guy, right? And I think that Oftentimes, it's figuring out how to handle it. There's an example out there of the Red Cross, and it was their official account. And somebody posted something about they picked up a six pack of something and they were getting slizzard, right? Oh, and no. so it was the official Red Cross account. Oh. So, of course, they were mortified. They But they came back and they said, hey, sorry, clearly we're not getting slizzard at Red Cross. And they made a joke. But you've got to be able to kind of play that off, right? They could have really just been like, Oh, it wasn't us. It was hacked. And so you have to figure out what the situation is and then make sure you have the right team around that can respond. Not always is it the CEO. Maybe it is your communication director. Maybe it's a, a, a social media post that needs to go out. Maybe you need to get on the phone with a reporter and clarify something or push a story out. Right. And so you got to have a plan. You got to make sure you know who's going to talk. And if your CEO is the one having problems, I wouldn't put them out in front of the media. So you better make sure you got a backup person.
0: Well, as we start to wrap up here, do you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to impart to our audience to improve their overall emergency management programs? Maybe the top one or two things that you're passionate about that people should be doing?
1: I think exchange business cards ahead of time, right? Build your network, figure out who that is. You might be a company that Doesn't necessarily deal in you know water and and different types of things, but you got to figure out who's going to provide you those basic necessities when your employees are needing it or you're trying to reopen. I'd also say you've got to think about your employee preparedness. So a company can prepare themselves, but if you've got 20 employees and they don't have a plan and they can't come back, your company can't open, right? Or your business can't reopen. And then I think it is thinking about those black swan type of events that are out there that would make you uncomfortable and you don't have a plan for it right now or you haven't thought through it. And there are resources. PASIMA, we have a a resource vault that is broken out by all types of different things, whether it's your preparedness, your response, your recovery for businesses in particular. Have you thought about your IRS implications? What if you're an agriculture person? Have you thought about the ag piece of it? Right. And so that's where PASIMA has really tried to build out our resources is to help companies think about that broader Impacts and preparedness, not just what your one or two little checklists that you may have right now.
0: Excellent advice. Well, Julie, thanks so much for being on the show. Your experience is incredible, and the organization that you represent is doing some amazing stuff. So thanks for sharing it with us.
1: Thanks, Peter. I really appreciate the invitation and really look forward to working with you guys in the future.
0: Excellent. To learn more about Julie and her work with the Private Sector Emergency Management Association, click the links in the show notes. Tune in next week for more expert advice to help protect your people and your business. For video highlights from today's episode, just search for Alert Media on YouTube. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone.
1: Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive
0: emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.